Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. I've got March Madness and I like it. Yes, the original CBS Sports and CAA Basketball Tournament theme music gets me going. Love this time of year. Be off from work Thursday and Friday to gather in the first round of the big dance from noon until just after midnight with two TVs hunkered down in the man cave. Oh, what a glorious time it is when you are a college hoops junkie like I am. Coming up, we're going to talk about the tournament and have a roundtable discussion about UCF with Eric Lopez of SB Nation's Black and Gold Banneret and Jason Beatty of Knights 24-7. They are standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in a couple of minutes. But first, some thoughts on some other headlines. Johnny Manziel is going to the AAF. He'll end up in Memphis and it's all about uh, trying to generate some publicity at this point for the Alliance of American Football, they've been doing pretty decent for a startup spring league. I think this is a bad move for Manziel. You know, starting to wonder, he got kicked out of the CFL, did not follow all the strict conditions he was given. Did he go ahead and cross the line so he could come back to the U.S. and try to go back to the NFL through the through the spring league? I think that uh, certainly would not be out of the realm of possibility, but... Uh, I don't know. I just don't like this move. He still has a lot of cleanup to do. So the Dolphins had traded Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans. Will he'll be the backup to Marcus Mariota? Will there be an open competition there? That'll be interesting to be seen. So Miami is definitely stripping it down to rebuild. They will have Fitzmagic, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick will replace him as the Dolphins quarterback. Two-year deal. And uh, he is the uh, the big tease. He can be remarkable, five touchdowns, 400 yards passing, and then he can be a literal turnover machine. But he's there to bridge the gap to whomever the next quarterback will be. And Blake Bortles ends up with the Los Angeles Rams. Great move for Blake. I figured he was going to have to go the backup route and uh, could have picked a better spot, right? If Sean McVay can't cure whatever is ailing Blake Bortles, then nobody's going to. So we'll see. A lot of damage that has to be undone when you've played quarterback for Jacksonville. And of course, in baseball. So big news, more money being spent. Very, very much money. Mike Trout, $430 million, 12-year deal to stay a Los Angeles angel of Anaheim. So there you have it, uh, Mr. Trout, the best player in baseball. There will not be that Trout-Harper union that a lot of folks were hoping would happen down in Philadelphia. It's time now on Jeff Allen Sports Talk for our UCF March Madness Roundtable. We welcome Eric Lopez from the Black and Gold Banneret and Jason Beatty from Knights 24-7. Guys, thanks for joining the program. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to join you guys. It's great to be on. 
Awesome. So as uh, the Knights get ready to embark on their first NCAA tournament game in 14 years, Friday night against VCU, what excites you most about UCF going in? Eric? Well, I think the exciting thing is the fact they're in. I mean, it's been 14 years since this program has been to the NCAA tournament. And it's a long drought. Think about that. 14 years and how many things have changed. In 2005, we're about to begin George O'Leary's second season as the UCF football head coach. Baseball is in the – and all the other Olympic sports are in the ASUN conference. So a lot has changed since the last time we've seen UCF men's basketball play an NCAA tournament game. And I think that's the exciting thing that they're going to be not only in the tournament, but they were clearly in as an at-large. They weren't a bubble team. They were not a team that's in a playing game. And it's going to be exciting that they're going to be a mark. They're going to be on the marquee broadcast team with Jim Nance and Bill Raftery and Tracy Wolfson. This is the and, and Grant Hill. That's the marquee team. But now for the NCAA tournament, UCF's a part of the storyline. That's what really got me excited. Uh, looking forward to the the weekend there in South Carolina. Jason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I was uh, really young in 2005, <laughs> so that has it has been a while. Um, you know, I, I wasn't following UCF sports at the time. I was, I think, uh, seven or eight years old, <laughs> and now I'm 21 in college. Don't rub it uh, into an old guy like me now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just here to do that. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's incredible, and I think the exciting part for me is uh, just to see what this team can do because, uh, you know, when you play conference basketball, uh, you're playing the same teams, and every conference team, every team in the conference, the American specifically, has has faced Taco Fall for the past three years. So I'm excited for the first time to see what an NCAA tournament team like VCU and if they uh, beat VCU, how how those other teams can handle Taco not facing someone like him before. So I'm excited to see what this team can do. I mean, given the opportunity to make the NCAA tournament, like Eric said, they were not a bubble team. They were in after they beat Houston, Cincinnati, um, some of those top programs in our conference. Um, and just it's just an exciting time for the university as a whole. Yeah, I would have to say the prospect of getting that finally getting that first tournament win is what excites me. And I'm excited for the seniors, uh, you know, Taco Fall, Chad Brown, Dayon Griffith, BJ Taylor, and just think, you know, where this program was before Johnny Dawkins arrived and here they are dancing in March. So that's pretty cool. So what benefits do you think their NIT Final Four run from a couple of years ago? Do, does it provide any benefit? Jason, we'll go first with you this time. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's huge. I mean, I know um, not. I know a couple of the seniors have graduated. Guys like AJ Davis and Matt Williams are no longer here. And imagine if they were with this team with Aubrey and everyone at full health. Um, but I think having to play multiple games in multiple days helps any team. Um, I mean, I know they played. And one, you talk about the NIT experience a couple of years ago, but just this season with the Myrtle Beach Invitational, uh, playing multiple games in three, four days, that's any tournament experience is extremely helpful. And when you're playing in the NIT, I know it's not the NCAA tournament, but it was at the time the largest stage, largest stage a men's basketball team had played on in recent history, uh, going, you know, going back to 2005. So, I think it's I think it's extremely helpful. I think it's also helpful. Um, you got to think at the time that was uh, Johnny Dawkins' first year. Uh, now he's in his third year here. Uh, so from a coaching perspective, it probably helped the staff at the time. And going back and playing another tournament like the NCAA tournament 
uh, I think it's extremely helpful experience. Eric? I think it helps. I agree. I think it helps guys like BJ and Taco who are part of that team knowing, you know, hey, your season's on the line if you lose this game. I think that's the thing they learned from that NIT was, you know, they played at Illinois State. I, I remember that game vividly. They was on the road. And they were down big early. It was in a hostile environment in Illinois State. And they came all the way back, pulled it out at the end, which set them up to host the quarterfinal game against Illinois for the rights to go to New York. And I think they enjoyed that ride and that taste. And, you know, I think this, that's the, the really where, you know, I wrote recently on Black and Gold Banneret about the legacy of B.J. Taylor and Taco Fall. You know, they, I think they've changed the narrative of UCF basketball. I, it used to be, well, well can UCF basketball compete? Um, and I think not only can they compete now, they can compete at a national level. And I think that's where it all started at that NIT run. And I think for them now, since then, since that trip to New York, I think they've been kind of looking forward to this moment, playing in the NCAA tournament game and trying to, as you mentioned, get that first ever win in the history of the program in an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, any tournament experience does not hurt. And the fact that we do have a couple of seniors that were on that team, I definitely think uh, definitely plays a benefit. So let's flip the coin a little bit. What makes you nervous about UCF going into this game? Eric? Well, I, I, I think what makes me nervous is will they, you know, this is the biggest stage. So will they come out too nervous? You know, you know they didn't come out great against Memphis. Now they have historically struggled in Memphis. So I don't read, you know, they've, they've won one game in over two decades, basically, it seems like playing in Memphis. They've always struggled in that building. Yeah, they're kryptonite. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, like just get rid of that building. It'd be great. Uh, but that's my concern is, you know, VCU is a very good team, very good defensive team. Uh, they like to put pressure on you on the basketball, and that's my concern when you are playing in an NCAA tournament environment for the first time. That could be overwhelming, and, you know, I'm, I'm nervous that, you know, do they kind of overpass? Do they turn the ball over, uh, which is right into VCU's hands? That's my concern because if you turn the ball over early and you dig yourself a hole in the NCAA tournament, I've seen it in the tournament where teams start pressing, and that's my concern is, how do they handle the pressure of VCU? They're very quick. They're among the nation's best in steals. That's my biggest concern for UCF is how do they handle the ball pressure uh, against VCU? And, how do, and, you know, and if they don't get off to a great start, do they start pressing? Jason? Yeah, definitely. I mean, cracking under pressure, I could yeah, – I hate to say it, but I could easily see a team like this doing it. Uh, but I think, I think Johnny Dawkins' message this entire season has been, you know, kind of – focus on what's at stake. Don't think too far ahead. Don't think, oh, man, we're going to play Duke if we win this game. And, oh, imagine if we make a Sweet 16 run. I've always dreamed of breaking brackets before. You know, I think if they just focus on the game in hand, and I think the best person to do that is Aubrey Dawkins. I mean, whenever Aubrey has an incredible game, we ask him, oh, what, what was different tonight? He goes, oh, well, the shots were just falling. It's just basketball. Um, you know, I think if they can stay out of foul trouble, specifically Taco and they can use Taco to his full advantage and maybe get another double-double out of them. You know, that would be huge. Um, and like Eric said, just this is the biggest stage they've ever played on. And going back to the previous question, the NIT tournament was kind of like a, a pre-run for this. Um, and that, that'll help them as well. And you touched on something that I kept think would be, be key. Is I, My nervousness is how Taco is going to be officiated because I think that is a monumental swing if they call it tight and he's in foul trouble, it's a whole different ballgame for the Knights uh, because it does not allow UCF to 
put that stranglehold on the three-point line like they're able to when Taco's patrolling the middle. So that's kind of where, where I have my concern. So are the last two losses something to be concerned about? Jason? You know, I think when trying to look at the Memphis loss, you know, it's a little bit – you scratch your head and think, wow, you would have thought they would have won at least one or two games in the conference tournament, you know, with the way the season kind of ended there on the high point, uh, beating Houston and Cincinnati. And, you know, you lost at Temple, but, you know, it's a they were also hungry. You look at both of those teams, Memphis and Temple, both really hungry teams. I mean, Memphis needed to win the conference tournament to even get a – I mean, to obviously get into the tournament, but they needed to have impressive wins to even have a shot. And Temple, the bubble team, playing tonight uh, as an 11 seed in the playing game, they needed to win that game to have their resume uh, improve greatly. And, you know, I think when you look at what was at hand playing from Thursday to a Saturday uh, after coming off of Cincinnati, going to, going to Philadelphia, that's tough. Um, you know, a couple of days off, I thought they would have been able to get over Memphis at FedEx Forum in the conference tournament. But I think the way they finish off the season, looking back more than just the past two games, um, I think they feel pretty good about where they're standing. Eric? I, I, I don't get too much into that. You know, it's interesting. I feel like a, there's a, a percentage of the fan base that really doesn't – they feel they compare basketball to football. And because of the success football's had, where they've lost one game in two years – if a basketball team loses a game or two, the world is falling and it's done. And it doesn't work that way. It's completely uh, apples and oranges. And, and I think in basketball, think about the stretch UCF had to finish the year. They had to play a marquee game against Houston, a team that had won 33 straight at home. And UCF goes in there and beats them. It was an emotional game. Then they have senior night. Jason and I were there for Cincinnati, 9,000-plus the, in the building. It was emotional. It was intense. Um, and UCF knocked off Cincinnati, and you could sense the passion and the, and the intensity there. The fans stormed the court, and, 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 and they surround the seniors. I remember BJ was, like, being carried there, and Taco was right in the middle. And it was such an uh, incredible scene. So much emotion that I didn't think they had a lot left in the Temple game, and the only thing that saved them there was Aubrey Dawkins had an amazing game. And I just think they ran out, and I think they needed a reboot. Um, and, 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 look, you just ran through Houston, Cincinnati, and Temple, and Memphis. Uh, three of those four on the road, three, all three of those four teams are an NCAA tournament team. Then Memphis is a completely different team at home than they are away. I just think it was a tough gauntlet. Um, and I think a week off actually is what this team needed to recharge and reboot here for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I tell you that uh, I, I kind of go with that theory a little bit too. I like the fact that, you know, let's get this part out of our system now and uh, get down to business. You know, they've, they've, kind of known they're in the big dance since the Houston win. They kind of felt like they had it had it on their plate at that point in time. So I think that uh, is, is a good thing. So would losing to VCU make the season a disappointment? Eric? Oh, I don't think so at all. I, don't, I mean, I think, like Eric said, there's appear to be some fans that would definitely be disappointed. Um, I think if they hadn't made the NCAA tournament, that would be a really big disappointment considering the preseason hype and everything. Um, you know, the fact that they didn't win the conference tournament, you know, it was a tough game. You know, all the emotions, like Eric mentioned, at Memphis, you know, it's a combination for disaster. Um, you know, I think fans give them some slack because they did beat Cincinnati, because they did beat Houston. But I don't think at the end of the day, 
if they lost to VCU, now it depends how they lose, of course. I think if they just, you know, get blown out, you know, maybe. But um, I think it's going to be a solidly close game. Those eight and nine matchups are always interesting every single March. They're always hard to pick. Um, But I think at the end of the day, you know, they, they, they wanted to make the NCAA tournament, and they ended that drought. It would be awesome if they could win the first ever game. And I think if you look at any team that could do it, this would be the one. Um, but I don't think it would be a complete waste of a season. I think, you know, they wanted to make the tournament, and that's what they did. <laughs> Eric? You can't, you can't, you yeah, can't I, get to – yeah. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. You so. can't get to the party without, you know, getting in there invited first, right, Jason? I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> you got to get to the party. And, look, I mean, this is a 14-year drought they ended, and I think there was a lot of pressure internally about snapping that. I mean – you know, we talked earlier about that NIT run. Last year was the year they already assumed they were going to break the drought and make the tournament. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, you know, Aubrey Dawkins got hurt, missed the entire year. Taco Fall and B.J. Taylor both got hurt. They, I think they only played one game together all of last year. So you wondered, you know, is this ever going to work out? And I, I got to be honest, I mean, there are times during this 14 years where you wondered if UCF basketball would ever make the tournament. So, no, I, I think this year has been a success because they got into the tournament. And they got in as a at large. It wasn't like they stole a bid. It wasn't like they mm-hmm. had three great days. It wasn't like they were a playing game. They got into the NCAA tournament, and they're going to be in the marquee field. Would a win be huge? Absolutely. A huge would be, would be tremendous. But I don't think if they lose to VCU, that that takes away from the year because they got into the NCAA tournament. So now there's a new generation. Like people like Jason. Jason, he mentioned it. He probably doesn't even remember that 05 tournament run and, and then the game against UConn and he probably has no recollection. And now there's that, that new generation that see, will see UCF basketball on Friday night against BCU. And hopefully if they win that, you're going to be in the biggest stage that there is in college basketball playing Duke on a Sunday, which uh, is just going to be an incredible moment for this program. Uh, so no, I, I think it's a successful year regardless of what happens. in the, the BCU. And if I, if I can add something really quickly, I mm-hmm. mean, talk about the new generation of fans. I mean, you look at what Johnny Dawkins has done at his time here in such a short amount of time. And I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit uh, from a recruiting perspective, because most of his guys have been Juco guys that have come in and, you know, his son obviously coming, but this is huge for recruiting. I mean, you look at the American conference as a basketball, really tough basketball conference with Cincinnati and, you know, Wichita State's a little bit off and you've had UConn a little bit off right now, but, it's such a talented conference. I mean, four seed, four teams are in this year. Um, and I think from a recruiting standpoint, just being in the NCAA tournament and being like, yeah, we can be in the NCAA tournament and potentially win one or two games, um, that's huge for recruiting. Yeah, and I would have to say, yes, losing the game would be disappointment. but the season certainly has not been. Uh, that stretch, not only just beating Houston and Cincinnati, the demolition of SMU, and they basically won that game in the first four minutes, and beating South Florida a second time in their building, that was a great stretch of basketball that uh, certainly will be remembered around here for a very long time. So, We've kind of alluded to the game with VCU. It's two defensive-minded teams. That kind of sets up a rock fight. I think, uh, you know, having played in the American with Houston and Cincinnati prepares UCF very well for that scenario. How do you guys think it plays out, Eric? It's going to be a defensive game. I, I really think it's going to be similar to the Cincinnati games where they're just going to if, – if you love offense, this is not going to be the game for you, okay? I'm just going <laughs> to warn you right now. I think this is going to be a defensive struggle. Both teams are good defensively. 
VCU is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, uh, which is good news for UCF because I think it, where UCF has gotten burned and hurt this year is teams that have shot the ball well from the perimeter. So I think VCU is going to struggle to score against UCF, especially if Taco fall. I think you, you made a great point, though, about Taco. How do they, you know, officiate him could also have a big impact in this game. I don't know what it is about big men in Orlando, but, they, you know, refs have a inconsistent time refereeing big guys from Orlando, going back to Shaquille O'Neal and with <laughs> the Magic and Dwight Howard, all right? So um, he's a big factor. He has to stay in. And B.J. Taylor and Aubrey Dawkins have to be aggressive. Uh, it's been interesting because at times – one of, the, one of them will be dominant, but the other one kind of defers. And they're going to face some good ball pressure from VCU in that matchup. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Something to keep an eye on. Keep this name in mind. Colin Smith, who's a transfer out of George Washington, actually played VCU two years ago. They're both in the same conference in the 8-10. Colin actually played against them, uh, had 10 points and eight rebounds in one of their games. So he's, he is familiar playing with the VCU program there and the program so that could be a wild card there to watch out for Colin Smith probably um, could be a big factor I think for them and in scoring inside against VCU because I think UCF has a size advantage at VCU I think their biggest guy is like 6'8 uh, they're not particularly a great rebounding team so I think UCF has to dominate the board and use their size to advantage and I think it's gonna be a, a game probably first to 60 wins all right, and so who? So you kind of uh, point out Colin Smith. So I would say he he might be your X factor. Uh, Jason, who would be yours? You know, someone I would. I mean, Colin's a obviously great X factor. He was big at Houston, um, but I think someone who's quietly become an X factor, especially with offensive rebounds and steals uh, recently, just last few games, is Frank Burtz, and he can also. He has some range, and when he went, when he gets going and uh, you let him shoot, he can drain some threes from downtown if he really wants to. Um, you know, Colin's a great, a great uh, X factor, especially if Taco does get into some into some foul trouble early. Um, but I think Frank Burtz is definitely someone you want to watch because you know, like you, what like Eric said, you know, sometimes you have Aubrey putting up twenty five points, and you'll get to halftime, and VJ has no points, and you're like, how do this? How does this even happen? Where he doesn't have no free throw attempts until like 15 minutes left in the entire game. And I think when you have a guy like Frank Burtz out there who can, uh, you know, combine with Aubrey and, and Terrell, Terrell Allen, um, you know, we'll have to just wait and see exactly how much of a factor he can be and how many minutes he gets. But he could definitely be an X factor. I think my X factor would probably be Dayon Griffin. I think the games that Dayon gives us eight points, 10 points, that makes a big difference for the Knights. Gives them another offensive weapon, and I think it opens things up a little bit more uh, when when he uh, when he participates in that in that line. So, what is the over under on when Jim Nance informs the viewing audience that Taco Falls one of the fortieth forty fortieth tallest people in the world? I mean, it's got to be the <laughs> first couple of seconds when they do the tip, right? Because yep. it's going to be like his twenty seventh tip going back to last season. Um, I mean, I know Jim Nance uh, has he has a lot of knowledge in basketball, but he's obviously going to bring up uh, Taco Falls height. In case you didn't know, he's got a pretty big wingspan as well. <laughs> Probably within the first minute. I mean, when they tip, when they tip, I would have to say when they tip. Would you agree, Eric? Yeah, it's kind of I, 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 you know, Jim Nance, you know, as somebody who does play by play, he might just w wait until he goes to the free throw line. You don't want to give away your material right away on the opening tip. I feel like he might 
I think what they might do is pump up Johnny Dawkins. You know, Johnny Dawkins, former Dukey, you know that's going to be a storyline this weekend, especially if they beat BCU going up against Mike Krzyzewski and Duke. I think he's going to use that storyline first and save that taco uh, stat there for maybe first media timeout, maybe when he gets to the free throw line or scores early. Now, you know, I think they're going to bring up the jump ball stat, which is taco five. What is it, Jason? You might know uh, he hasn't lost a jump ball all year. And I don't think he has lost one. Going back to last season. Yeah, going back to last season. Every so I think, yeah. yeah. So I think that's the stat Jim Nance might give out there right away. Okay. So besides UCF, what is the thing you look forward to seeing most in the tournament? Jason, we'll start with you on this one. You know, I, I think every year you want to see some good upsets. Um, you want to see, you know, I, a team I really like that could pull some upsets. The eleven seed St. Mary's. They beat Gonzaga. They had to win their uh, conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the other American teams do. You always want to see those other teams uh, do well. I think Cincinnati at seven is a little low for them. I think that's uh, playing in Columbus as well. That'll be interesting to see what they can, what type of damage they can do in the tournament. Um, but it's always fun to watch those 14s or 15 seeds. Uh, you know, I'm perfectly fine with my bracket being busted. <laughs> <laughs> Eric? That's pretty uh, I'm just looking forward. I mean, I think the UCVC, the UCF game will be one of the marquee matchups there. I think the the the, the one that's, that's humorous to me is the Louisville versus Richard Patino and Minnesota matchup with everything that happened at Louisville with Rick Patino. So I'm I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued as always by how the other Florida teams do. Florida State can they make another deep run like they did last year? Um, and Florida, you know, coming off their SEC tournament run and. I'm curious who can pull, who can give Duke a scare, who can give Zion Williamson and those Blue Devils a scare, because I think everybody just assumes they're going to rough, uh, run rough shot, and I don't. That usually doesn't work in the tournament. Usually, there's a game or two they're going to have to uh, maybe uh, sweat it out, and who knows? Maybe it could be a UCF. So I think those are the things I look forward to seeing uh, in this particular tournament. So my answer before this year would have been seeing a 16 beat a one, which you know <laughs> we had to wait a very very long time for to finally see. Um, and it's probably going to be a long time before it happens again, although I think that gap will be shorter. Um, I think the thing I'm looking forward to is the John Morant versus Marcus Howard in the Murray State Marquette game. That uh, uh, could be a firework spectacular, or it might be a dud because it might be overhyped because of that. Who knows? Um, let's talk a little That's bit. A great quick- game. By the way, those, those are two great players. That's a great choice. Yeah, uh, you know, there, there, those are two guys I think will be in the NBA. We could talk about that for years. So you're right. That's a good choice, too. Yeah. So uh, let's touch briefly on the women's team. So they're going dancing as an at-large bid. How far can they go? Can they push their way to a Sweet 16 date with Mississippi State? Mm, that's interesting. The women, you know, I, it, you know what's funny about the women's team is uh, they got the 12th seed. They're going to play Arizona State in Coral Gables. And I think they, in talking to the coaching staff at the watch party, I think they are going to, I think they like it. I think you're better off being a 12 seed in women's basketball than you are, say, an eight or a nine, and then have to face a one seed, which in women's basketball, there's a huge gap. So I think it's an amazing job Coach Abe has done in just her third year to turn a program around that won seven games when she arrived there. When she arrived there, they had won seven games that year before she arrived. To now being an NCAA tournament team, the winningest team ever, going to Coral Gables. What a what a year for basketball for UCF men's and women's basketball. And that credit goes to Danny White, who is a basketball guy, and he hired both a, uh, Coach Abramson and Henderson and Dawkins at the to 
fix the basketball programs which they have. Jason? Yeah, I think uh, playing in the state of Florida is huge. Um, you know, having to play a team that has to travel across the country uh, in Arizona State is a, you know, they don't have to travel. UCF doesn't have to travel that far. Um, and I'm excited to see what this what this senior group can do. I mean, you know, Coach Abe schedules difficult teams. Um, you know, when we were talking with the coaching staff and a few of the players uh, at the watch party, they all brought up the Syracuse game um, and how, you know, they didn't beat Syracuse, but they, they put up a good fight. And I think kind of like what Eric was saying, uh, a 12-5, I think that's a great potential upset for UCF to pull. By yeah. the way, by the way, uh, real quick about the uh, Coach Abe, she was at Albany. Before she arrived at UCF her last year, she was a 12 seed. Her, she brought her Albany team as a 12 seed. They bust in-state. They played in-state against Florida and upset the Gators in a 12 versus 5. So trust me, the coaching staff, uh, one of the staff members brought that up to me. They, they've been here before in that. So don't be shocked if they upset Arizona State, which Jason alluded to. They got to travel all the way to Florida. That's a huge time zone difference there. I would not surprise me if they pull off the upset there. Uh, they've done this before from a 12-5 standpoint. Yeah, that's a great nugget there. And uh, I have to tell you, I really love what Coach Abe has done with this team. And I like her moxie. I like the fact that, um, you know, Gino Ariama got all upset about them running a trap of 48 seconds to go in a game that was decided, you know, if it had been eight seconds, I could see him being having a real beef. But, you know, we didn't bow to the master. And I like the fact that, uh, that she stood her ground on that. Yes, she's very feisty. Their team plays tough. They play through the whistle. And, and they've gotten to Gino's uh, – they've gotten her under his skin a little bit at times during, since she's arrived there. They've not been a pushover, per se, from that standpoint. Um, she's a brilliant coach. I mean, with the job she's done here, I never would have thought that anybody could have the success that she has had with this program in the three years, which – is the best three-year run that any UCF women's basketball coach has ever had, by the way. This is the most successful three-year run in the history of the program. To just give you an idea of the job that she's done there, which has been pretty remarkable uh, to all things considered. It's been it's phenomenal. I thought she should have been coach of the year in the American. She didn't get that award. Uh, and I think part of that is because she maybe ruffled some feathers of other coaches, but that's okay, you know, that's uh, – I think she's a star in the making in this league, and hopefully UCF can keep her for a long time, which I think they can because I think she's very happy here. And as Jason can back me up on this, every time you talk to her, she will go out of her way to talk about how great Danny White is, her boss, the athletic director. I think she loves working for Danny White, and I think she loves the city of Orlando, and I, I think that's a big plus for this program. Absolutely. So the big news circulating today is the new conference deal with ESPN, 12 years <laughs> running through uh, – 2032, which starts in 2020, 2021, average of 83.3 million a year. That's about 7 million per club. That's about 5 million more than they're making now. Lots of games going to ESPN Plus. You know, the the old man in me is like, what? We're taking more games off TV? And then I realize, oh, wait a minute. That's the direction we're going here uh, in, in this uh, tech, uh, technology world that we live in. So uh, that will be the standard in, you know, the next three or four years for sure. Um, what do you guys make of this? Jason, we'll start with you first. You know, I have never used uh, ESPN+. Plus. I saw Eric tweet about it earlier uh, that he was watching it as he was <laughs> typing. Um, but I think when you add all of those sports and you look at the price it is, it, it's, a great, it's a great thing. I mean, obviously getting a $5 million uh, bonus is incredible. Um, 
I think a lot of fans are a little bit confused on how the negotiations work. I mean, you, you look at the top of the American and think, well, why didn't we get more money? It's like, well, it includes all, a, lot of, a lot of sports and a lot of schools, not just UCF, not just Memphis, not just, you know, uh, Houston with their basketball program. It's, 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 a, big, it's a big deal uh, for them to get $5 million more million and uh, to stay with ESPN uh, expand to ESPN plus and specifically for UCF fans. I think it's great because I think right now you don't get a lot of, you, you know, they have UCF nights TV, but I think ESPN plus is going to pull over a lot of UCF fans. Eric. I, I agree. You know, I write a lot about television ratings and viewers in the TV side of things for black to go better. So I think we've been following this story very closely and I, I am some, and I'm glad you brought it up, Jeff. You brought it up very well. Uh, it, you know, yes, the initial reaction is like, oh, man, all these games are going to be on ESPN+. And I think what it's going to end up being, those games that you saw on CBS Sports Network and on even ESPN News and ESPN3 only, I think those are the games that are going to get moved to ESPN+. And, it, it, you know, there's a, doing these uh, articles and writing about TV numbers, there's not as many people. As people have this idea that everybody's watching those channels. Not necessarily the case. Uh, those num those, those channels don't draw the big numbers that people think. They always throw out the number of how many millions of homes they're in. That doesn't mean that that many people are watching those channels. So I don't think it's as big of a loss from that standpoint. They're still going to get coverage with ESPN. They're still going to get coverage on ABC. Um, and I think they're going to be fine. And, and I think what's going to happen is, uh, and you, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of in-production broadcasts. You're going to see more UCF sports on ESPN+. Plus. And I think it's going to be an easier to just follow them on one or two at tablets instead of trying to figure out, okay, I got to go to UCF Night TV and then I got to go to CBS Sports Network or I got to go to ESPN News or I got to go to ESPNU and just kind of do that. Uh, I think it's a good deal under the circumstances. It wasn't like the league had a lot of leverage here. Uh, Fox had, was not as interested from what I was told. They, in fact, just recently uh, let go of the Big 12 title game. They just dropped it. They're trying to restructure some things. And you know, CBS is kind of still in the middle of this Mountain West deal. I think the big takeaway here is they're, they've separated themselves from the rest of however you want to call it, the Mountain West, Conference USA, and all the years. They're making more money than that. And at the same time, there's no grant of rights in this deal. So basically, if you're a UCF and an opportunity presents itself down the road to move to a bigger conference where you can make more money, you can do that without paying a steep, a big, big penalty. So I think it's a positive deal considering what the American was working with. More money and more flexibility is how I like to look at it. Yeah, definitely. Well yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know there's fans that are thinking, well, you know, we're not making, we're not making power five money yet, but uh, you know, this is still quite a step up. And, and as Eric said, they are separating themselves from the rest of the G five yeah. as far as that goes. And it's by the way, you, you know, ESPN, by the way, let me just say this quick, too, ESPN Plus, Dana White, I know it's a different sport, but UFC, has, in their new deal with ESPN, has do gotten big numbers in part on ESPN Plus. The registering numbers have gone big. In fact, Dana White has just extended his deal. That's how successful it's been. And, and if you've watched it, you see how UFC is all over the platform. Uh, there's boxing in there. There's tennis. There's all other sports in there. So, it, it, it's one of the, I think that you nailed it, Jeff. This is the future. This is the future. More and more people are streaming and more and more people are cutting the cord. Uh, I just read an article on LA Times where uh, I think the, the number is higher than ever before about people not, you know, having cable. So 
I think more and more people are watching games through their computers, through their phones, and, and I think this is the future. All right, and before I let you guys go, uh, any shameless plugs for your social media or anything you have coming up to promote, Jason? Yeah, check me out on Twitter, at uh, TheRealBD. I cover recruiting for 24-7 sports, nights 24-7. Got a few things going on this weekend. Obviously, I'm going to be driving up to Columbia for the men's basketball tournament. Uh, hopefully, UCF can get that very first win, uh, but just keep it locked in with nights 24-7. Uh, you can find me on Eric Lopez Elo. In fact, uh, my uh, my profile picture is a photo I took with Jim Nance at last year's American Conference <laughs> Championship. Uh, so you'll be following. I'm hello, big friends. Uh, big hello, name. hello, exactly. He did if say that to see, me. Too. If you want to see profile photos without Jim Nance, go to my Twitter. <laughs> exactly. You can go Jason there. Uh, but yeah, you, you can follow me at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow, and obviously I write at blackandgobanneret.com. With a lot of coverage. We cover all UCF sports, basketball, uh, football, obviously, baseball, you name it. We cover it all there. Uh, you can follow the Black and Gold Banneret underscore at UCF underscore Banneret. Uh, we do a weekly podcast there with my colleagues, Jeff Sharon and Brian Murphy, who's going to be in South Carolina for the men's tournament. Uh, we're going to have someone sent to Miami. Uh, it's Coral Gables for the women's tournament. And actually, we're going to have an interview with one of the people that broke the story, the American Conference TV deal. So we're going to expand on that a little bit this week. So that's the reasons to follow us, man. There's always content all the time. Excellent. Good stuff from both of you guys. I really appreciate you doing the roundtable with me, and hopefully we can do it again soon sometime. Absolutely. Sounds good, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yep, that was a lot of fun talking UCF and the big dance with Jason and Eric. As I mentioned at the top, I am all ready to go with my big printed out bracket. I like to uh, scribble in the winners as they uh, as they unfold throughout the course of the of the the big dance. And one I'm going to tell you about that you want to print out. Not CBS, not ESPN, USA Today. What you want to do is go to Zabe.com. That is Steve Zabin, who uh, is a uh, prominent sports talk show host uh, from the Team 980 in Washington and has had several national shows and is, has a great podcast, too. He does what they call the Gargantu Bracket. It is amazing. It's got all the times on there. It's got uh, little spots where you can write the TV channel, so you know it helps the casual guys out. It's got the, the the betting odds for each team if you're into that sort of thing. If you like the gambling, it's a uh, you can uh, you can print it out in two different formats. You can put it eleven by seventeen or in a two page eight and a half by eleven. Tape them together, and you got a huge bracket that you can. You know, I will say the type is a little small, so you might want to go the bigger route to read it, but. So what I like to have on hand in the Jeff Allen Man Cave. Hey, coming up soon, uh, probably this week, we'll uh, have some news uh, about a new podcast I'm going to be doing. I'll still be doing Jeff Allen Sports Talk, but uh, got something in the works that uh, I think you'll definitely be uh, interested in hearing about and listening to. Uh, I'll be posting that on Twitter, Facebook, and whatnot as soon as I can. And also... Uh, during the the tournament again, I'm going to be doing some snack size podcasts uh, almost daily during tournament day action. Just 
because I like to do it. So uh, if you if you love the tournament like I do, I'm gonna try to uh, offer my uh, offer my services to you uh, throughout the course of the proceedings. Go to jeffallensportstalk.com anytime. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I'm going to plug this uh, yet one more time. I've been doing it a lot recently, but uh, you know, this year is the 25th anniversary of UCF making the big dance for the very first time back in 1994. Coach Kirk Spiraw was the man who guided the the Knights there and to three other NCAA tournaments. And uh, I had an interesting conversation with him, reliving the memories of that very first time. So uh, make sure you go back and check that out if you want a little more tournament flavor before things get underway. The first four underway already. So, uh, you know, I have mixed emotions about the first four. I like the field being 64 versus 68. But you can't quibble too much. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a great thing for Dayton, Ohio. They've got themselves established as a, as a destination for college hoops with this first four. So the, you know, they get, a, they get four games out of it. That's kind of nice. And it does give teams like 16 seeds an opportunity to lay claim to an NCAA tournament victory. So, and again, uh, Jeff Allen please, you know, we're getting a lot of new listeners, uh, each week. I certainly do appreciate you listening and hope that you'll, like what you're getting, and you can get so much more by subscribing. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify. Thanks for listening, and with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients, so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer's Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at kramersalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.